Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Jay Beatty. Jay, are you ready to do this? I'm ready, George. Let's talk. Excellent. Let's do this. Jay is the guy that Wall Street hopes you'll never meet. He is the CEO of the Velamon Group, an organization promoting financial wellness through education and providing solutions to the most common problems that Americans face. I'm excited to have you on. Jay, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Great, thanks, George. Um, yeah, I, you know, I've been in this business. I've been in this particular business for about the last fifteen years, and that was after about twenty years, kind of on the corporate hamster wheel, if you will. And one of the reasons <laughs> I got into the business is that, um, yeah, I was the CEO of a fairly decent-sized uh, company whose name everybody I think would recognize. Um, and I, you know, I I had some of the same issues my employee has. You know, all problems are relative, and I had people would come up and ask me about their 401k plan and their investments and what should I do here and there. And I thought that, uh, you know, as kind of the, the chief cook and bottle washer at the company, I ought to have better answers than what I did. So when I got out of that business about 15 years ago, I looked for, you know, just start some, do some research on how money works, how wall street works. And that's kind of just, uh, I didn't necessarily intend to end up where I am, but my research and my, teachings and readings and so forth that kind of led me here. So we have a lot of fun doing what we do. and we, we focus on some very specific areas and are pretty beneficial to our clients. Nice. Well, I'll, extremely often, the, the folks that I talk to on the show, the work that they're doing is because they had personal experience or the people close to them had some kind of personal experience that they wanted to help solve. So... So talk to me a little bit about about those main areas. I have to imagine that getting out of debt is probably one of them. Getting out of debt is probably the biggest area. There, there's three things we do at the end of the day, uh, debt being one of them. We, we do a lot in the, in the college planning realm and then some in the, in the retirement uh, realm. But debt is probably the one thing that, that affects the broadest swath of people that we run into. I mean, if we walked into a shopping mall, and started asking people, you know, had, had, do you have any concerns about college versus do you have any concerns about your debt situation? We're going to get a lot more response on the debt. And so that's a primary focus for us, for sure. And I, why do you think it is that so many Americans struggle with debt? It, it's, it's a big question. I don't know if you want to take a stab at it. Well, I, I think. I, I would t- I'd make the push a question bigger than that. Why do so many people kind of struggle with kind of how money works in general? And my my grand answer would be because we don't do a very good job either as a society or in our education system te- teaching people about money. Uh, probably something you would agree with. But for sure, when it comes to debt specifically, you know, we use uh, one of the things that we use as a visual is a pie chart. If you could picture a pie chart with kind of three slices to it. What we know from Census Bureau statistics is that the average American will earn about $2 million over the course of their lifetime. And we have a pretty good idea of where that will go. And if we just look at three broad slices, we know that about 40% of that $2 million is going to go out the door in a form of various kinds of taxes. Now, that's obviously not just income tax. That's 
every kind of tax that we pay, which is embedded in all the goods and services that we buy. We know that another 34% is going to go out the door in interest uh, paid to bankers and lenders and credit card companies and so forth on debt, which leaves 26%, if you can imagine that, George, only a quarter on the dollar that we earn is there to support our lifestyle and our retirement. So because so little of our money, uh, the way we use it or the way we deploy it is available for lifestyle, we use debt to supplement what we can't do you know, directly. And that you know, that gets people into, into difficulty. Um, you know, oftentimes we see people spending 20, 30, 40, 50% of their take home pay is just going, coming in the door and going right back out as fast as it came in just to satisfy obligations on debt accounts. And that's, that's a pretty tough way to, to get ahead financially if that's your situation. No doubt about it. Probably impossible. So, what are some of the strategies that you help people with to get out of that debt, to change that cycle? It's, it's oftentimes not so much about a strategy as it, as it is about kind of learning how money works. So one of the powerful, probably the most powerful concept that we teach that kind of permeates all three of the things that we do is help people understand the difference between the power of compound interest, which, as you'll know, Einstein calls the ninth wonder of the world, Right. Um, and the relative inexpense of amortized interest, which is how bankers and lenders determine uh, the repayment schedule on various debts that we take advantage of. So when we when we get into that learning, what we teach people is that we want to we want to keep all the money that we can and make it available for compound growth. And if we do that. Um, instead of using that money to either buy things outright with cash, like our grandparents told us, which may emotionally sound like a good thing to do, but financially it's often not. And instead, we use leverage appropriately, meaning borrowing appropriately, then we can, we can rack up a whole lot more wealth if we, if we hold on our money and, and keep it compounding and then responsibly use debt to pay for things in the process and often the two come together, and, and we can create you know, an enormous opportunity for people not only to get out of debt much quicker than what their creditors are, are going to allow them to do based on their repayment schedule, but also accumulate substantial wealth in the process. And once people are out of debt, we can then show them how to use the exact same strategies to live interest-free for the rest of their life. So if we go back to that pie chart that I was saying, if 34 cents on our dollar lifetime is going to go out the door to debt, and we can shift a substantial portion of that debt into the lifestyle and retirement category, then our financial consequences change dramatically in a positive way. Got it. Nice. All right. And so the second point that, that, that we were talking about, getting kids into the best college that they qualify for. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah, college is just a, it's, it's an unbelievably complicated uh, process. Um, and, and from a family point of view, you know, the, the cost of college is accelerating at a pace that, frankly, almost nobody can save or grow their money fast enough to cover the cost right. of college. So it becomes a pretty daunting proposition. And, and a lot of the parents that we talk with, you know, they thought this was all going to work out. Now they find that they've got a, a sophomore in high school and it's, it's, you know, oh my gosh time. 
and and not not much money in the bank and, and not many options for how we're going to navigate this thing. So there's there's a couple things about college. First is choosing the right college is probably the most important part of the equation. Now when I went to college, and granted I'm older than dirt, but when I went to college, <laughs> you know, it, you, you pick your uh, your college based on where your friends were going or who had the you know, I, I tease people. I say, I, I chose my college based on where the prettiest girls and the coldest beer was. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was a lot more kind of shallow rationale for many of us. But today, sure. that's hugely important because four-year graduation rates from college, believe it or not, are under 50%. About 46% of students graduate in four years. If we look at the six-year graduation rate, that only goes from 46% to 58%. So we, we absolutely have to spend a whole lot more time without many tools, frankly, being sure that our kids are getting into the college that they're going to succeed at. So that's, that's job one. If I had a fifth year or six years across the college, anything I would have done on the planning uh, side goes right out the door. No kidding. And, there, and by the way, no financial aid available in those fifth and six years. So that's part of it. Uh, then how you pay for it is a big part of it. But the, the big chunk in the middle is this thing called FAFSA, which is the government's application that determines, A, how much we're going to have to pay as a family for college, whether we agree with that number or not, and B, it determines our eligibility for need-based financial aid. So FAFSA being a government application or a government program, similar to income taxes, we have an opportunity to do some planning if we get out far enough in front of it and we understand what elements of our financial scenario, we're going to add what amounts to our expected family contribution. So if we can, if we can plan with parents and help them anticipate what their expected family contribution is going to be, guide them towards schools that are going to be more generous based on that, their financial circumstance, and help them uh, put planning steps in place to lower their expected family contribution, oftentimes we can make, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of difference in the cost of college for a family if they've got two or three children that are going to eventually go. So that, and, you know, the, the other thing about college, of course, is if, if you think about, just think about what age you're going to be when your last child graduates from college, and most of us are going to find that we're within just a few years of retirement's doorstep. And so, one thing that we share with parents is that college planning really is retirement planning and you can't sacrifice one for the other. Oh, I think that that's so true. I always, I always feel bad telling parents that they need to take care of themselves before they take care of their kids. But I think that that's kind of the truth. So, all right. It's like the oxygen mask in the plane. Yes. You know, you put, they tell you to put shirts <laughs> on for your kids because you're not going to be much help to your kid if you're gasping for air. The college scenario is that if I put my kids through college without death and all the things that we don't want our kids to have to endure, and I wake up and I'm 80 years old and I need $90,000 a year home health care expenses, and I've run out of money because I helped my kids get through college, I'm going to be a lot bigger burden to my kids in that scenario than if I ask them to pay part of the freight for college and they end up with twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 of student loans and 40 years of work life ahead of them. Right. Big difference. Yeah. No. No doubt about it. So, all right. So the final, well, not 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 the final, but one of the other main areas of your focus is uh, tax-free, risk-free retirement, and that sounds good. How does that how does that play out? 
Well, again, you know, we're going to approach it from more of a, a theoretical point of view, and then we can drill down to instruments and strategies so we help people get there. But the primary thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the primary thing that we help people try to understand or appreciate more is that if we think of our whatever we're doing for retirement, and maybe it's a 401k, maybe it's a, you know, some sort of taxable investment account, maybe we're investing in real estate, whatever it is. But if we think of our money as being in a bucket, then most of us live with buckets that have three holes in it. And money is out of those holes to some degree on almost a constant basis. And the holes have names. They're called taxes, fees, and market risk. Those are the only way that money can come out of your bucket without your permission is through those three things, taxes, fees, and risk. So what we teach people is that it's much more important to plug the holes in the bucket than to spend a whole bunch of time or interviewing a whole bunch of financial advisors that say they can get you another one or one and a half or 2% in the market. Because more than that's leaking out the bucket in the first place. If we plug those holes in the bucket, then most of us could reach a financial destination we're going to be a lot happier with, with less risk, more certainty, and so forth. So the first thing we say is you, you need to look at a strategy that's going to minimize or even eliminate the exposure of money to what we call the three wealth killers of fees, taxes, and risk. From there, then we look at, okay, on the offensive side of the game plan, we have what we call the five money needs. These are five things we all aspire our money to benefit from. There's safety, growth, income, liquidity, and tax efficiency. So we use that as a sort of a master blueprint, if you will. And if a client agrees, okay, yes, that's what I want for my money. I want to eliminate its exposure to the wealth killers, and I want my money to benefit from the five money needs. Then we have a starting point in terms of looking at specific strategies that's oftentimes completely different from the kinds of things that the world is telling them to look at. So things like 401ks, things like you know, uh, taxable investment accounts, things like mutual funds become a lot less attractive in the scenario where we're adopting this idea of eliminating the three wealth killers and putting in place the five money needs and all kinds of other opportunities begin to uh, you know, make their way onto the radar screen that are, are closer to you know, meeting that, those, set of, those sets of objectives. Okay. And what are those vehicles? Well, you know, for example, the Roth IRA or the Roth 401k begins to chip away at some of those things, not all of them. Um, you know, there are certain... We're, we're big believers in certain kinds of uh, structured insurance products that can eliminate virtually all those all those things. So it, again, it's going to depend on uh, you know it's a you know, financial advisor thing, right? It depends. It depends on their age. It depends right. on what their goal set is, and so forth. But uh, but oftentimes, you know, there, there's two or three categories of strategies or products that lend themselves very well to kind of the blueprint that that, you know, when we lay it out, most people say, yeah, I never thought of it that way, but that's what I want. How do we get there? And then we go through the, the process of trying to figure out how to get there. But insurance products is a very interesting category that uh, most people don't pull a lot about that checks off a lot of those boxes. And that's, that's a big area of emphasis for us. 
Got it. And I, I, I have a good amount of experience with permanent insurance products, and it is a very, very dynamic financial instrument. I think all industries, a lot of people work with it effectively, but then a lot of people don't. So I think to your point, it's got to be dependent on clients' overall financial situation, their time horizon, everything else that they have going on. But it certainly can be extremely useful and extremely beneficial for, for, for the right clients. So I very much appreciate that. So. Yeah, finding finding the right advisor in that realm too is, is much more difficult for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So, yeah, yeah, you got it. Got to be the right product, right situation, the right person that's advising you on it. But you bring those, bring that combination together. You're right; it can be very powerful for people. Well, Jay, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Well, I think I'm going to go back to what we talked about earlier, George, and and that's just understanding the difference between compound interest and amortized interest and using that in your life. So I'll give you a very quick example. If, if I had $30,000 and I grew that money at 5% compound interest rate over five years, I would end up with $38,000 at the end of that period of time. Now, if instead of using that $30,000 to buy, let's say a car, or a year's worth of college or a down payment on a house. If I went out and borrowed that 30,000 instead, the banker is gonna set a payment for me. And over the course of that same five years at that same 5% interest rate, I'm gonna pay about about $33,000 in total. So if I save my money and and compound it at the exact same interest rate over the exact same period of time, I end up with about $4,000 extra in my pocket if I borrow to pay for something and save my money instead of either using my money to buy cash or buying it without any savings to back it up. And when we can kind of, you know, lather, rinse, and repeat that strategy over the course of a lifetime, sticking the, the, the difference in those two numbers into our pocket every time we buy something substantial, that's, that's a major key toward the kind of financial independence and the kind of financial security that most people are looking for. So I know it's, it's a little bit of a high-level high lesson, uh, but I, I would encourage people, you know, do some reading, study, research on the differences between amortized interest and compound interest, and that's a huge money lesson that once you understand that and apply it to your life can make a, a real difference. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets a come on. Come on! So, Joe, Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, we have a financial wellness platform that we maintain at www.bellamon.com. That's B-E-L-O-M-O-N.com. Bellamon is an acronym for Velocity of Money. So, www.bellamon.com is a great place to start. We also maintain Facebook pages at Strategies for College, which is our college planning company at Fortune Builder Wealth, which is our retirement company, and at Live Interest Tree, which is our debt elimination uh, company. So there's a few places that you can find us around the, the, the internet there. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jay your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to velamon.com. Find them on Facebook, which I will list in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Jay. My pleasure, George. It's great fun. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, 
and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.